Welcome to the Strategy Mob Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I'm excited because I get to jam with a neighbor. You know, we actually just found out that he lives like right down the street from me. So this is going to be a lot of fun, but we got some cool topics to talk about. We're going to focus things like leadership and what it means to own a business within a business and you know, how we redefine that F&I experience and, and, and much, much more. So thank you for joining me today, Aman uh, Kashid, and I am so excited to get this conversation started. But Aman, before we, we get deep into our conversation for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now and don't know who you are and kind of how you got started in the business. I thought it'd be cool to kick off today's podcast with a little origin story. So Aman, how did you get started in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? (laughs) I started in the automotive industry when I was uh, 18 years old, uh, fresh out of high school. I, uh, I did it, you know, for the summer, uh, just to get some experience, I was actually starting university the year after. So I had a year. So I said, okay, let me experiment and try something new. So I, uh, I joined a Mazda dealership in mm-hmm. Mississauga. And, uh, you know, those uh, nine, 10 months leading up to university, I, I loved it. I was loving, uh, you know, being a sales consultant. It was, uh, you know, I would get up every day excited. Um, you know, then it was finally go, uh, time to go off to university. So I, I did a year at uh, Brock University. Mm. Um, in a totally different field, I studied law there and, you know, after a year, I realized that I really didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And I realized that, you know, I truly enjoyed working in the automotive industry. So then the next following year, I came back to it and, um, the rest is history. That's awesome. You know, like I I said, I typically find people, you know, get into this industry one of three ways, right? Either they kind of stumble their way into it, you know, or they're born into it, or they're like me, like I said, conned into it. But, you know, this is one of those industries that once it's in your blood, man, it's in it, you know, like you got a little taste and then you went and tried law and you're like, yeah, that don't taste good. (laughs) And, you know, it's hard. Selling cars, being in the business, it tastes good. It's fun. I always find that, you know, from like a personality perspective, we're all a little bit kind of chaos junkies. Like we kind of like the high of kind of everything going on simultaneously. And, you know, we really love, you know, having high expectations from the customers and meeting those expectations and getting the deal and the transaction done. is just, it feels good. It's like a, it's like a really good glass of brandy. Like, you know, like it just feels right. Right. Um, look, I I know we had a chance before we hit the record button to talk about a few things and, and and you brought up a topic, which I I think is just so insanely relevant for what's going on right now. I mean, look, we're, we're in the fourth quarter of our year, which is typically not a fun time to be in anyway, especially being up here in Toronto, that, that white stuff starts to come down. The sun goes away. We don't get enough vitamin D and people always kind of feel a little edgy. Then we tack on a pandemic and man, it just makes times really, really interesting. But, you know, we were talking about this earlier, you know, but times like this is when you see real leaders within your business, right? That, that cream kind of rises to the top. So I, I, I love to kind of get your take on what does it mean to be a leader, you know, during uncertain times that we're in right now? 
I think the number one mistake uh, when it comes to leadership that people don't understand is that, uh, you know, nobody works for you. You work for other people, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're here to tell people, hey, listen, how can I make your job easier? How can I make your life easier? You know, as a true leader, you have to you have to serve others. So that's the for me, that's the most important thing that you don't work for me. I work for you. And whatever I can do to help you out, whatever I can do to make your professional, personal experience better with me um, at work, you know, and we're here a lot of hours every day, even more hours than we're at home. So uh, to me, that's the most important thing about leadership, Um, leading by example. That's a really big one because then you fall into the category of being a hypocrite. So, you know, if you're a sales manager, for example, and, you know, you want your team to, you know, go out there and, and clean cars, you got to, mm-hmm. you got to put your snow jacket on and you got to start doing it. And they're going to, you, they're going to be like, wow, you know, this guy is cleaning the car. So we're going to follow in his footsteps. So leading by example is also a very important one. And, you know, I, I you feel, know, I, I feel with uh, leadership, you know, it's, it, it's, it's one thing to, to, to lead task. You know what I mean? But it, it's an entirely different thing to, to lead someone's efforts. And it, it takes a, a different type of leader to do that. And to your point, I mean, you nailed it right on the head is it, it, you can only do that through willing to do it yourself. Right. I mean, yeah. I think back and in, in some of my role models and some of the best leaders I had, and they would never, never ask me to do something that they weren't willing to get up and go do themselves. And, and through that, I was able to, you know, to have respect for them. And, and the respect didn't come from fear. Do you know what I mean by that? Like you ever, yeah. you ever had, you ever had a manager that you worked with that, that leaded with, with fear versus leading by respect. Is that, ever, have you ever had that before? Oh yeah. I, I had that for sure. And you know, it's, it, you put yourself in a totally different category when you lead by, you know, by some, by gaining someone's respect versus, you know, you yelling at them and uh, you know, trying to, you know, overpower them. Uh, so, I've worked with both and, you know, I can definitely say that the better way to go is to, you know, to, to have people's respect. That's definitely the better way. And uh, I have personally never been the kind of person that ever wants to lead by fear or use my authority over someone. I want to, you know, that doesn't exist for me. And if you do that, you're not a leader. You know, that, that's, that's well said. I, um, I'm coaching some new managers right now and I had one you know, finally, finally tell me the truth and the truth of, of, of his, of of kind of his concerns or his stress right now is that the staff doesn't respect him. And, um, my, uh, my, uh, emotional intelligence is not always so high. I come from the old school of, of car business, which is suck it up buttercup and, you know, kind of move on. So I just, I, I had to chew on that for a minute when he said that, because originally my gut reaction was, well, you haven't freaking earned it. You know, and but 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 I find that to be true. See, I I think great leaders, all right, earn that respect, but they earn that respect from being humble, right? Understanding the willingness to actually learn from anybody and everybody out there, no matter their experience or age or 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 anything, there is something to there's something that can be learned from every single person out there. So I'm curious for yourself, how do you humble yourself so that you can learn from others? So, I mean, for me to start off, number one, I come from very humble beginnings. You know, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was brought up in a, a single family household. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mom raised uh, me and my two siblings herself. So that's amazing. You know, when you when you come from down there, and you know, whatever level of success you get to, you never forget where you came from. So personally, that's one thing that always helps me uh, stay humble. The other thing is, you know, I'm a little bit of a man of a faith, uh, you know, a faith. And I believe that, look, at the end of the day, this is coming from God. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a blessing, um, you know, having good health, having uh, money coming in. uh, It's a blessing from God. And, you know, whether you're religious or not, understanding that, you know, there's forces of the universe at play that are putting you in a better position or, you know, there's a little bit of luck involved as well. Um, You know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. We all know that saying. I, I, I definitely think it's true. but I don't, I, I, I always understand, you know, I, it's not all me, right. It's, uh, you know, I was, I had great mentors when I was, when I was being brought up, mm-hmm. you know, I had my mom, she, you know, uh, raised me, you know, the best that she possibly could. So, you know, people, they, you know, their, their ego is kind of at play when they're like, you know, it's me, I did it, you know, I, I'm self-made, I did all this myself. If you have that mentality, then, you know, it's very hard to remain humble. Ain't that, ain't that the truth. And you know what? Shout out to the mothers out there because, you know, when we do think of leaders and uh, shout out to your mom uh, for being <laughs> such an amazing leader, because no, it, it's true. I mean, look, I, I, some of my biggest lessons on how to be a, an efficient leader has come from my mother. And, and, and one of the ones that I'm seeing right now is, you know, it didn't matter what fire was going on at home. It didn't matter, you know, look, the kitchen could literally be ignited, all right? The house could be burning down, and somehow my mother would be able to hold composure, like, it's all good, you know, we're still here, you know? And 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 I think about that, and I think about some of the best managers I've ever worked for or worked for me, and, and they have that, that, same kind of, that same kind of thing, right? And I see that, how important that is right now during this pandemic. You know, look, customer confidence is not high. Staff confidence is not high. All right, everybody's freaking stressed out. We, you know, we're, we're literally going day by day by day based on what the hell the government's telling us. You know, we can operate, we can operate. I mean, you know, I think if you you talk to most of your staff, you know, do you think you'll have a job after you know at the end of December? I don't know if anybody would say that they will. I mean, they may be laid off again, right? So there's so yeah. much stress that as a leader, we have to come in and be able to kind of part those seas and just you know be able to maintain that level of like, this is stressful, all right, but we're going to handle it. You know, how, how, how do you see leaders? And I know like my mom did it incredibly well. I'm sure your mom probably did it incredibly well too. It's not something that came natural for me. So it's something that I kind of had to teach myself, you know, of, of how to, you know, not only become myself, but also be able to become for others. And right now I don't, that's a tough place to be. So I'm curious how you do that for yourself. Of, of being a leader, the, the energy you give out to people, it's contagious, right? So if you're the kind of person where, you know, you're negative, um, you know, when I first joined this industry, one of my uncles, um, longtime veteran in this industry, he, he, I said, you know, give me some advice, mm-hmm. hoping he would tell me like some secret where I can sell like 100 cars a month or something. <laughs> I didn't get that secret. All he told me was, he said, every day when you get into work, leave it on the curb. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you know, What's so special about that? And as time went on and as I got older and older and as I um, you know, uh, grew up in this industry, I learned that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter um, you know, what's going on at home, 
you know, when, when you come to work, you have to leave it all outside and you have to come in with a clear head every day. You have to come in with positive energy and then you're going to create that kind of environment for yourself. Other people will see you, other people, you know, on the topic of leading by example, uh, it's very important to do that in a situation, especially when you have a lot going on in your life. And, um, you know, if you ask anybody who's ever worked with me in the, in, in the past, um, they would attest to that because, you know, I've been to some very dark times, some very difficult times, you know, being 18, 19 years old in this business, you know, trying to help my mom pay the bills. Um, you know, she's getting older, you know, and then there's a, a responsibility on your head where you have to obviously provide a certain amount every month. You're working on a hundred percent commission. Um, you know, my brother, uh, when I was 20 years old, he had an open heart surgery. Uh, my mom couldn't work. She was going to the hospital every day, yeah. um, you know, to stay with him, to give him company. And, you know, when I was 20 years old, all of a sudden the responsibility of, uh, you know, running the household fell on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't think of it as a negative. I thought of it as a positive that, okay, you know what, this is a test. And, you know, you, you never get put through a situation that you can't handle. And all it does is it makes you a better person. It makes you a better professional. It makes you a better leader. So all those times, all those difficult times, all those dark times, um, I never let it get to my head. And every day when I came into work, I left it all on the curve. No, you know what? I, I can appreciate the, the the idea of leaving it on the curve, right? Curve, you know, and, and I can be honest with you, for the longest time, I, I, was, I was in that same place, you know, but, but you know, what I'm beginning to find, you know, right now is that, that 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 works for some people and probably for me and you, it does, right? Like we can compartmentalize, you know, things. And so we can set that box onto the curb, you know, and then we can walk through the door and, you know, we can pick up that box when, when we get out. Um, it, it's through, I guess, I guess, time being self-aware and developing myself. I realized that's not the case for everybody, you know? So I, I've actually found that, you know, for, for, for some staff, you know, and for some of the people, I actually just have to let them feel the way they feel and understand that that's, that's, that's their perception, not my perception. So I can't necessarily own that, but I'm with you. It's, it, it, I think, you know, as we grow and develop as leaders, we start to identify these things, you know, and I don't think there's no wrong or right answer here, but it, we do start to identify them. You know, you hinted on something, you know, you know, when you became more responsible, you know, for, for managing the house, man, and, and kudos to you. But, you know, you really had to not only own the home, but you also had to really own your own business. You know, that's, the, that's always been this industry. I gotta be, I gotta be honest with this one part of the industry that I've always kind of struggled with a little bit, right? Is this hundred percent commission. You are a business owner, you know, be the business within the business. You know, there, there's, there's like one side of me that's like, yes, that's the way it should be done. And then there's the other side of me going, yeah, no, like that's, I mean, there's not a lot of people can always operate that at that level of stress. So, you know, I, I love to kind of get your thoughts on, and I don't think there's any wrong or right answer here, but I just like kind of get, get your thoughts on it of, you know, how do people today, you know, manage that business within a business and how are you currently doing it right now? I think it starts with number one, um, you have to do more than your job title entails, mm, right? Point. If you're a finance manager, if you're a salesperson, if you're a sales manager, you have to go above and beyond your role. It all starts with that. It starts with taking initiative. When you take initiative, when you start doing more than you're expected and you're paid to do, people start to develop um, a dependency to you because you're mm -hmm. making their life easier. You're making their job easier. And at the same time, what you're doing is when you're 
when you're kind of doing the salesperson's job, uh, when you're kind of doing the finance manager's job, when you're also doing the sales manager's job, um, which I try to do, I, I try to create a seamless process for my clients where from start to finish, I'm the primary person they're dealing with. And if you give them a good experience, then you're creating a long-term business for yourself because they're going to be the person, you're going to be the person they remember. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they know anyone looking for uh, a vehicle, um, you know, one thing I, um, I take pride in doing is I help people in even the most difficult credit situations. Um, you know, everybody says that, but, you know, no matter what the situation is, you know, I, I would say 98% of the time I find a way to get it done. Um, and, you know, I advertise that, I market that. So if you do more than just your job title entails, you're going to create a long-term flow of business and clients and people will, you know, develop a dependency on you and they're going to need you and, you know, your, your stock is going to go up. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, it says a lot. You know, I mean, about every business operator is kind of how, how, how they approach it. Now, I know F&I is kind of where the position that you're sitting in right now. And, and I got to be honest with you, out of, out of all the roles in a dealership, the one that I probably have had the biggest issues with, you know, outside of a used car manager, um, <laughs> is, is kind of the F&I, right? Like, I mean, you know, F&I started, let's say, for the last 30 years, right? 20 or 30, right? And... It really hasn't been redefined since then. And it's a sore subject for me because I've yet to find a large pop percentage of the population that actually enjoys, you know, doing it. You know, I mean, look, plus, plus as an industry, we kind of screwed it all up, right? The first thing, first, we called it a box. Like what a horrible, <laughs> like seriously, right? Think about it. Like what a horrible, horrible, horrible term to use, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, in fact, absolutely. actually I heard a salesperson use that with a customer the other day. Now, of course it was probably by accident and didn't mean to, but they're like, okay, great. All right, we're going to finish this up and then we're going to, and then you're going to talk to John. He's over in the box. It's like, holy crap. That, that he's John's in a box. <laughs> John needs to get out of the box. Like, what, what do I got to go sit with John in a box? You know? Um, but it's just, it is that it's kind of that whole mentality that we kind of lock people in into this space. And then we try to resell. It's just, it's, it's not fun. And I think it needs to be redefined. I got all kinds of thoughts and opinions on it, but I'd actually like to get yours because you're executing it right now. I haven't done F and I in a long time. How do you think the, the, the F and I experience needs to get redefined for customers? I think number one, the most important thing is that, um, you know, as a finance manager, you have to have the mindset that you're not a salesperson, mm. you're a consultant, right? So at the end of the day, you're not here to sell them something, right? You're here to help them. And if you have that mentality, um, you know, number one, you're going to conduct your business more ethically. Um, and number two, again, your whole, your whole mentality is going to shift and you're genuinely going to believe, and, and obviously you should and you do, that you're helping this person out and you're helping them solve a problem. So, for example, if I have a client that comes and, um, you know, he lives 100 kilometers away from where he works, mm -hmm. and I recommend him an extended warranty, um, then at the end of the day, I'm helping him out because at the end, you know, he's not going to get that whole five years the manufacturer offers. He's going to hit that 100,000 kilometer point first, and he's going to get to a, you know, he's going to get to a zone where, He's financing the car still and he's paying for repairs. So genuinely, you know, I'm thinking long term that what's going to benefit my client the most. And given the situation, the interview you have with them, the information you collect for them, it's your job as a consultant to make, uh, you know, to, to form that opinion 
and obviously share with the client. So I think it all starts, uh, Jason, you know, finance managers, uh, they have to conduct their business more ethically and they have to realize that, you know, if I don't make all this money in one shot off this one guy and I make a little bit of money off him, maybe he's going to send me 10 more people. And that equates to 20 times more than I would have got in the first place. So having that mentality is also very important that, you know, you're not here short term. This is your career and you have no, to plant I, I, good seeds for yourself. I, I'm with you 100 percent. I mean, you know, you really do have to be a consultant than you do have to be, you know, selling products and services, right? Like, and, and I agree with you. And in fact, actually some of the best FNM managers I've ever met are consultants. I, I think one of the biggest concerns I have is the way that we've structured it, right? It's like we, we, we take this customer on this emotional roller coaster of, you know, coming out, doing the test drive and woohoo, this is fun. And then coming back and, you know, I'll present you a four square. I mean, how horrible is a, how horrible is a four square, right? Like I swear, if I see another one of those, I'll lose, I'll lose my bloody mind. I actually had a dealership the other day. I heard a salesperson called a worksheet. It just made me feel the other way. But I, I feel it's like as, as an industry, a lot of dealerships do not set up their F&I manager for success because they treat the F&I department as the last kick of the can. You know, a final swing at the bat to try to get as much money as we can. So, you know, from a structure perspective, from a sales, from a sales, um, uh, a sales path structure, how would you, how how would how would you change the way that F and I kind of gets introduced to the customer? So, uh, you know, whenever so personally, me for my sales staff, whenever I have them um, introduced to me, where the client is brought to me as a turnover. Um, First of all, I never tell them to say, hey, you know, um, that this is the guy that's going to be going over uh, and start naming the products of what I'm going to go over with them, uh, right? It, I, I'm, I'm here to help people set up their financing, and I'm here to help you set up your loan in the way that's going to provide you with the, the best value and the lowest rates. And that's all I like to say um, when it comes to my sales staff, when they're introducing me. Um, you know, my office space, I like to keep it very clean. I don't like to keep any... Uh, brochures anywhere. I don't keep any literature. I don't, um, you know, advertise what I'm doing. I like to just make it a welcoming space where people can just come in. Um, you know, they feel relaxed. They're not looking at, you know, a huge picture of a, you know, a warranty or a big module on your desk of, you know, uh, you know, for corrosion protection. It, it has to be a relaxed environment when they come in here. And again, that starts with you being a consultant versus you being a salesperson. So, they want to, at the end of the day, introduce you as someone who's a consultant, not as someone who's a sales salesperson. No, no, for sure. You know, I love the fact you use the word turnover is, you know, like I, I know I get a stickler. So I'm a bit of a stickler sometimes on language and it drives people nuts, but you know, kind of also kind of a, a not necessarily a positive word, you know, yeah. like let, let, let me, let me turn over this customer, you know, to, to another person. Right. You know, it's like, well, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I just signed it on the dotted line, uh, to give you $45,000 of my money and wait, I don't get to finish this transaction with you. I, I, I need to be turned over to, to somebody else. It just, it just feels monstrously disconnected. So I like to get your thoughts on a, on, on a, on a uh, model that I'm seeing become more and more popular. And I think a lot of it has to because of the pandemic is we're becoming more finance first in a lot of our efforts. Efforts, right. You know, uh, I, I just read a study, you know, that 66% of customers that are buying a car uh, would be willing to fill out, you know, a finance application before, you know, coming into the dealership. But as a dealership, 
we seem to like save or hold on to this until the end, which is actually, I gotta be honest, it's more of a Canadian thing than it is a, a, a US thing. I remember when I first moved up here, I was helping out a dealership. They were busy on a weekend. So I said, Hey, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll help out. I had a customer come in. They were interested in a Lincoln Navigator. So it's an amazing vehicle. Awesome choice. We're gonna have a lot of fun today test driving this car. So let's get the dirty work out of the way. Let's get this credit application filled out first so my team can start processing it and let's go out and have some fun. So I, I did exactly what I've just always done. You know, I had them fill out a credit application. I brought it to the manager, all excited. And I said, hey, I'm going to take this guy out. And he was like, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And I'm handing him the finance manager or I'm handing him the credit application before before the test drive. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you know them? I, I don't know them. I don't know if they can finance a hot dog for crying out loud. And they want to go test drive an $85,000 SUV. So run it and... Tell me if they qualify. And he just looked at me, just cross-eyed. We don't do it that way here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, you know, we, we saved, we saved one of the biggest conversations, the biggest part of, you know, of buying a vehicle to the very end. It drives me nuts. Anyways, I want to get your thoughts. You know, what, what would you think of more of a, a finance first approach, you know, to, to, to F and I? Well, I've definitely noticed uh, an increase uh, since the start of the pandemic of, um, you know, credit applications coming in, people that uh, want to get the finance application done first. And that puts us in a very good position because if they're, if they're already giving you that information beforehand, there's a very, very high chance that you're going to convert that into a sale versus them coming in, um, looking at, you know, you know, the, the Toyota, the Honda, the Mazda. Yeah, it's, and, doesn't you know, that take the pressure off of everybody? There. Yeah, it takes the pressure off of everybody, right? It takes pressure off you, yeah. it takes pressure off the customer, and then you guys can get straight to just connecting at a relationship level, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, look, I I don't know necessarily how we're going to drive that home, but I think, you know what, the funny thing is, here, here's the kicker. If if the dealerships don't make those changes, guess what, the manufacturer is going to make that change for them. You know, um, you know Hyundai's doing it. BMW Mercedes have already done it, you know, where, where they'll come in and say, you know what, we don't particularly like your sales process. You know, we, we get too many surveys telling us the customer does not like this, this uh, control of you must follow my process and I have 12 steps and you can't buy a car unless you execute all 12, right? So it's like if, if dealerships don't start making these changes right now and listening to what the customer wants, the manufacturer will do it for them. You know, what is, what is your thoughts about the manufacturer coming in and saying, hey, you're not going to change. We'll make the changes for you. I think uh, as a leader and as a, a, you know, a person in a management role in a dealership, it's it's your responsibility to actually, um, you know, have uh, the model that everyone else wants to follow or is going to follow, including the manufacturer. I've seen some, uh, you know, dealerships, um, you know, run their process in a way where the manufacturer look at them, they look at them and they say, wow, these guys are doing an incredible job. You know, let's implement this at all of our other stores as well. Mm -hmm. But I think we should strive to be in a position where the manufacturer is actually learning from us because at the end of the day, we're the ones working here. We're the ones that are, are dealing with the clients. We're the ones that are face-to-face -face every day. So we would, we would have the best, uh, you know, opinion when it comes to this, not the manufacturer. So I think you know, the other way around, we should all be in a position where, you know, we're helping the manufacturer. They're not even helping us. Well, you know, look, I, I wish that is the case. And I wish, and I think there are some dealers out there that can be that way, you know, but I think I've gotten to the point now where I think, like, I understand the manufacturer's uh, frustration. Like the customer is demanding, demanding 
a new sales process. And as, as, as an industry, we've just, you know, there are some people that have done amazing jobs of listening to the customer and have changed this. And so I'm not trying to say the whole industry, but there's a good chunk of the industry that said, no, we're going to stick to our 12 step process. And if they don't like it, then they can bugger off, you know? And I just, I, I, this is where, you know, and I actually give the manufacturers a hard time on a lot of things, but this is one place I actually think like, no, this is great. You know, I know Hyundai just launched their, um, at home test drive, right? So, you know, look, they identified that this is what the customer wants. The customer wants the ability to test drive a vehicle from home or work. You know, not a, maybe a large percentage, but a certain percentage definitely wants to do that. Look, if the dealerships aren't willing to develop that process or execute that process themselves, well, we'll do it on their behalf. You know, and it's like they came down with a mandate. Like, you dealerships now have to participate in this program. All right, someone can come to our website, schedule an at-home test drive, and you will have to execute it. Here's the process. You know, do you feel like a manufacturer is overstepping their bounds when they do something like that? No, I think I, I think definitely um, they are they are definitely helping us too. I mean, for sure, um, they're offering a totally different um, you know opinion with a fresh set of eyes, um, and maybe they see things the way that we're not used to seeing things because we're you know in a position where we're working at a dealership where we're here every day. So it's great to have, but it should be where them and us are working together not where you know they're making all the rules and and we're following it obviously that's great for them but for us that doesn't put us in a position we have to share our input we have to tell them maybe they, they do something that might not work um for example you know one thing that our dealership did recently um we're part of the the batia group mm -hmm. we bought um a trailer in which we can deliver vehicles to clients' houses. Ah, um, so awesome. instead of them coming into the dealership to sign, we would send the, you know, the, the representative to their home, um, you know, put the vehicle inside of a, you know, like a trailer, uh, ship the car right to their driveway. And uh, I know uh, my owner was sharing with me that Hyundai really loved the idea and they actually wanted to implement that and uh, across all of their stores. So that's a, you know, a good example of both parties working together. And, but, you know, and you're right, both parties should be working together like that and trying to develop out a better experience. You know, I had my, my Armada, my Nissan Armada got delivered to me on a trailer and I'll tell you, it was great. It was great. You know, it was great to be able to finalize that paperwork in the comfort of my own home. Dude, I was in my PJs. It was Saturday or Saturday or Sunday morning. I can't remember when they when the, when the truck came and you know, the guy was texting me, telling me how far out they are, that the kids are asking me. It, how far is it? Is it here yet? Is it here yet? I mean, look, it was an amazing experience. And that is the story that I share when people ask me, you know, about, about my vehicle was, was this, this last moment. I actually got to admit to you that the steps up to it were not so great, but then they were able to really bring it home, you know, with this just very cool delivery process. I didn't have to get out of my PJs. My kids rolled, you know, they rolled up in this big truck, which my kids thought were really cool first place you know they're all bouncing up that it's here it's here it's here and it comes off the flatbed and it was it was so cool it was so cool the way they did it so you know but i agree with you i think as just as as, as dealerships and manufacturers we've got to work together um to create that better customer experience but we got to listen to the customer more Absolutely. you know we got to listen Absolutely. to them more now to to listen to them more and to be willing to change the mindset no i mean like you know we really have to be like if we're changing because we're forced to change, oh God, that never turns out the right way, right? But it's just that we have to get into that mindset. And I know you got some really interesting perspective on how to get into that mindset and stay consistent. So I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that. I 
my my business model is uh, it's a Japanese philosophy. I've been following it for a very long time. It's called Kaizen. Mm-hmm. So Kaizen is basically it's the concept of continuous self improvement. And it. in a role when you're a hundred percent commission based, when your paycheck is solely based off of your efforts, it is so important that you have to consistently be getting better. Uh, I know Pat Riley has a quote. I really loved it. It's if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And that's exactly (laughs) what it is. You know, you have to, it's your responsibility. And also, you know, if you want to be a leader, it's your responsibility, even to those around you, you know, to, to read books, uh, you know, to self-educate yourself, to uh, attend seminars, to, you know, learn a little bit from whoever you can and always having an open mind and realizing that I don't know everything and there's something I can learn from everyone. You know, maybe he does, uh, you know, emails better than me. Maybe he does phone calls better than me. You know, always learning from everybody and, you know, taking the initiative to learn yourself and get better every day and, and tracking that as well. You know, holding yourself accountable and saying, okay, you know what? I, I did a little better this month than I did last month. Now next month has to be better than that. And next month has to be better than that. And even if you fall a little bit short one month, you're going to notice the graph is going to go, it's going to go up and it's going to go down and it's going to go up. But mm-hmm. overall, it's headed in a way where it's, it's going up oh, uh, slowly but surely. You know, you know what I find is um, it all comes down to routine. You know, like I, 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 I've, you know, look, been a lot of conferences, spoken a lot of conferences. And, you know, I, I love conferences because I love seeing people's mindsets when they come into the conference and you can almost see it when you talk to them, you see it on their body language, the whole thing. And then as the conference progresses, you can see the mindset change, you know, and it's just like, oh, they're, they're jacked, they're excited, they're ready to get back to their dealership, kick ass and take names, right? But then you follow up with some of these people and, you know, a couple of weeks later, it's gone, it's faded away, that, 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 that light has just gone from their eyes again, and they're back to, you know, whatever they were doing before. So, you know, I, I find to to maintain that mindset requires a routine. And I imagine that you have one because uh, everybody I've talked to usually has a pretty solid one when they, when they tr- stay in that, that mindset. What is your routine? I'm very curious. You know, Jason, um, I remember this was, I think around a year and a half ago, I, I actually hired a sales coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was, I, I was in a position where I was doing pretty well, um, you know, in, in, comparison to those around me but again i'm not competing with them i'm competing with myself so i said okay let me hire a sales coach and see how this goes and i was surprised to learn that the number one thing that we went over was we went over mindset Mm -hmm. like you know i thought we were going to get into you know sales tactics and word tracks and stuff like that but it was the mindset and that's when i realized how important it is to have a routine you know my routine always starts off um number one uh you know with a little bit of exercise every morning before i get to work um, you know, get your blood flowing, open up your mind. Um, I have a, I have a routine of gratefulness every single day where, you know, I just, uh, I'm grateful for, for everything around me. And I, I, I become grateful for even the smallest things in my life. So, you know, that's always my, uh, my mindset as well. And that's part of my routine every day when I wake up. Um, I always have to stop at the Starbucks line before I come to work. That's <laughs> definitely part of my routine. And, I have something called uh, a walk-in song. A walk-in song meaning I have this one song that I like to play every day that just that that gets me into the zone. You know, that's, I love it. Uh, it's like the trigger in my brain that okay, you're about to go into work now. You know, let's let's get into the the right mindset. So you, you, that you know, you know I'm gonna have to ask. Things. Like you know what 
you know, I gotta ask. I gotta stop you there. I gotta know what song it is. What song? What, what um, was your walk-in song, man? I gotta know. <laughs> I'm a huge Drake fan, so for me, it's a, nice. it's a it's a song. It's called Views by Drake. If hey, you, if you hear one. it, there's a, there's a very nice build-up to it, and then that's you know, all of a sudden, the beat just drops, and you know, it's going crazy, and that's what I like. Yeah, you know what? I think mine would be High Hopes. You it's a, this. I like that. He's got high hopes. He's got <laughs> like that's. I, I mine would be something super tacky, probably like that. But 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 no, no, you're right though. I look. Everyone's got to hack it. They got to find their own thing. I think actually music is a great way to kind of just yeah. get yourself into it. I like using podcasts. Podcasts is a big one for me. So, you know, when I'm in the car on my way in, it is, uh, I'm kind of hacking it, right? Because it's like, I'm I'm learning, I'm growing, you know, but then I'm also kind of getting my mind into that place again. So I love, I love audio books. I got to be honest, I'm not a reader. You know, I, I get a lot of people, you know, because of the podcast, they'll send me their books. Like, hey, you got to check out my new book. And I'm like, Thanks. I won't read it. Is there an audio version? Um, you know, but like, I, I, I love consuming audio. So audio is a big thing for you, you know, but I, I agree with you. I mean, routine is everything. Um, yeah. You know, I went on a big kind of self-awareness trip, I think, in the last few years, you know, probably the last three years, you know, and it was really trying to understand myself and why I feel the way I feel and what, you know, factors or outside sources can affect the way I feel and then digesting that and understanding that so that I can either embrace, you know, and develop and move on quicker, or if it was a feeling that needed to be held on, you know, I think too often in our business, we, we, we feel something and then we dismiss it so quickly, but there are emotions that you do need to kind of hold on to. And, and, you know, for me to kind of get to that place of self-awareness, I had to go through a routine and luckily it's been a routine that I've kind of consistently stayed. I, I wake up around 4:35 or between 4:35 in the morning and, and I have, you know, that two hours where everyone's sleeping, which is, by the way, it's an eerie time to be up just knowing that everyone else is kind of sleeping, right? I was talking to Glenn Lundy today and he's, he's like, yeah, I wake up around 3.20 in the morning. I was like, okay, well, I'm not there quite yet, you know, but, you know, it's, but, but having that time to yourself, you know, so that you can, you can do just you and then kind of dive into the rest of the day is big stuff. Look, um, I'm on, I, I know we're getting towards the end of our time and we could easily probably jam for probably a full solid hour Absolutely. just, just on mindset and routines, but it does all kind of come down to consistency, isn't it? I mean, look, a mindset is a lot like shaving off those 20 pounds. You know, you don't go to the gym for a month, you know, it's the consistency yeah. and you got to get real about it. I mean, for me, I had to, program it into my phone, you know, so that I had something holding me accountable. I imagine, you know, your, your coach, your sales coach was a great accountability person to ensure that you were, you know, holding on to that mindset and maintaining yeah. it. Um, but Amon, before I let you go though, uh, for everyone that's been watching and listening and, you know, just kind of you know, love hearing about you and learning about you and would love to kind of connect with you and follow along with your journey, you know, what's, what's the best way to do so? Uh, you can email me. Uh, my first name is spelled A M M U N dot K at hotmail.ca. Uh, add me on LinkedIn, Amon Kershid. Um, you know, I'm really passionate about, uh, you know, being in a position where I want to, I want to help other people, um, you know, long-term my future goals. I definitely want to be a sales coach as well one day. And I want to, cool. you know, be in the position where I can also help people. Um, so if you need help with anything, you know, whether it's work related, non-work related, um, you know, please reach out to me. Um, if you want to, you know, share your story with me, you know, if you, 
if you agreed on the stuff that I talked about today, um, you know, and you want to have a, you know, a healthy conversation or even a healthy debate, you know, I would love to. So yeah, please connect with me. Um, but uh, LinkedIn and email, uh, definitely the best way. That's awesome. Hey, man, I, I really appreciate it just being so open, so willing to connect with others. Um, I truly admire that. I'm, I'm, I'm the same. You know, we connected and it was just, you reached out. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. Make it simple, right? Um, absolutely. Man, thank you again for taking the time to jam with me today. You have yourself an amazing day, all right? It was my pleasure, Jason. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.